0: The information and opinions contained in this podcast are completely from the individuals at the point of recording. It does not reflect the views of the organisations and employers past, present and future. It is for information and entertainment purposes only. The producers make no representation or warranty as to its adequacy, completeness, accuracy or timeliness for any particular purpose and it is not necessarily indicative of the future or likely performance. And cool is recorded on Audio-Technica mics. If you have not caught up with last week's episode, you should go back and catch it because we are in our second episode where we are talking to Danny Leong, who many in the video industry may know as Mr. Intuitive Films.
1: But they have not seen him in the last two years, two and a half years because he is over in Auckland hi daddy hi you're you're based in uh, auckland now
2: i live in a part of west auckland where i'm like 20-30 minutes away from from city center and then i'm 20-30 minutes away from the some of the best beaches in the world as well
0: to give a little bit of context right intuitive film has films has been around for 15 years right danny and it started because of your passion for video production. But in the beginning, you studied law and many of us will agree that that is pretty cool. It's not easy to get into law school. Yet, I think you made a very very uncool decision at that time. Sure,
2: Uh, to, to, to correct it a little bit, I didn't jump from law directly into making videos. Um, wow, that was yeah. More. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I was passionate about drama. I, I, I spent a lot of time uh, in law school actually working in on stage productions and stuff. So I enjoyed that. Um, and that's a natural progression to, into telling stories and stuff like that. But I actually practiced law after graduating. I practiced law for a full year and a half. And then I, I told myself, this is not it, man. Uh, this is just not me Uh, I'm going to try something else and it doesn't help that my my dad's a lawyer so
0: (laughs) oh my god it
2: it doesn't help my my dad's a lawyer my brother-in-law is a lawyer my sister's a lawyer as well so in a way we have a kind of family of lawyers i think going into law we would think that's a professional degree it's good to have it was more of a mental decision to be honest i enjoyed it because there was a lot of time outside of law to do a lot a lot of other things we only had like don't tell lawyers out there i don't know whether it's changed but we only had like 10 to 11 study hours per week compared to engineering you know engineering usually you have 30 hours study hours you know so 10 to 11 study hours, the rest of time you're supposed to self-study. So that's when I (laughs) did a lot of other things. (laughs) I joined committees, uh, a lot of other things. But I actually practiced um, in a corporate law. I actually practiced corporate law, which I admit was useful to know. Um, But it it was just so, number one, I, I felt stressed because it wasn't me. I felt it, it, it just wasn't me right I, I i didn't enjoy it to be honest there were parts of it that i enjoyed uh, but i i couldn't see myself doing this long term I, I did what i call a 20-year test and i say 20 years meaning i would ask myself hey 20 years from now on i'm not gonna ask me myself what i would have because if i ask myself what i would have as you know lawyers earn a lot lah. even at that point in time you know you could see a progression hey you work kill in 20 years you're gonna get somewhere you know you're pretty comfortable in life and stuff like that uh but i asked myself do i want to be that person in 20 years from here and i looked at some of the uh, for i've got a lot of friends who are lawyers and they're fantastic people sometimes but i asked myself do i want to be that person you know so uh and i i looked at some of my partners and i asked myself hey do i want to be that person and i said Oh, no I don't want it's a personal choice I, I didn't feel like I want to be them and because I didn't want to be them I need to get up now because I know that if I stuck to it even for five years right by the time you probably hey get a car um, you might already put in your down payment for a house that's when you start getting locked in you're on the ladder right where, which you have to kind of keep going on that ladder because you, 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 you either get comfortable or you get so used to some of these uh, material comforts right or lifestyle i said oh no i've got to go man <laughs> i've got to go and i've got to go now <laughs> so that that was really the turning point for me yeah and 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 that um sort of opened my eyes and say okay uh, big bad world out there what options are there and it wasn't easy and actually the the next job i got was working as a business management trainee with a logistics company in the UK is damn strange okay I actually went to the UK uh, worked there for close to a year uh, but again logistics wasn't really the thing to do lah. Uh, I enjoyed my time in the UK bro because it's like every three months we, we, we were basically living out of a car three months they move you to a different location I was actually working late-night shifts in a Marks & Spencer warehouse, close to London. Close to London. So very, very, very different kind of style. My best friend at that point in time was a 70-year-old, God bless him, he's already passed on, 70-year-old Scotsman. Right, who kind of took me under his wing he acted like my father kind of stuff you know uh, it, 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 oh, you're so cute. Yeah, it was a totally <laughs> different environment but it added to my life experience and like I said during those times on weekends I would take time off uh, I would go to uh, Panico Media Workshop in Soho and, and shot films edit on Steinbeck you know just sort of learning things those were the things that I really wanted to do long term so that's why I got my feet wet through there yeah.
0: So you got those experience from basically doing something else, doing logistics and just burning the midnight oil on the weekends and stuff. Yeah. And doing film.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Doing film, doing stuff that I wanted to do, like, kinda of discovering that as well. And that, that was the process. Uh, after I, I, I came back, film is not an easy place to kind of jump into straight away. Um, uh, after I came back from that, I, I, I did work in one, two companies. And then after that, I actually just trying doing things like marketing, business development. Um, and then I was actually even lecturing for a while at, at, at Nianpoli, actually. Um, yeah, yeah, before I decided to join the Advanced Diploma in Film Production Program. Mm-hmm. And that was... That was run in Nian.
1: I don't, I don't think they run that anymore.
2: No. They stopped that after a couple of years. The advanced yeah, one, is it? Yeah. yeah. I, I think they had it on for like seven or eight years. And then after that, uh, not enough people coming in. Sign-ups. Yeah, sign-ups mm. and stuff Right. Like I think it was a pretty good cost. I had only enough money for one year. So I. I it's actually a one-year full-time, one-year part-time course. I finished my one-year, right? And then on uh, my second year, right, I went to tell my lecturer, right, uh, I said at the time it was Vijay Vijay Chandra, Vijay. I don't think I can survive my second year, man. So I I don't think I have money for the second year as well. And you guess what? My son was on the way. Meaning <laughs> my wow. wife was pregnant already. So financially it was wow stress. Uh, because at that time not earning, right? Obviously when you're studying full time. So on my part time basis, thankfully for my my lecturers, they said, hey. Uh, you know what, we really want you to finish this. We'll we'll try and get you or or write you a recommendation letter so that you can get a grant and stuff like that. So we did. Uh, Thankfully, by the end of one year or so, I I, I think I shot some commercial which won some award in in Germany. So I was like, okay, thankfully, then I got that media education, MDA stepped in and I had a small grant to be able to cover my fees for that other extra year so I could actually finish up. So okay. thankfully I graduated <laughs> And through the second year I was freelancing I, I, I freelanced as uh, first AD With uh, uh, Production House Verite. Uh, We were, we were shooting uh, Basically dramas And stuff like that
1: Was there ever a point Where you thought Okay maybe I should just Go back to law Because you know it's, it's the easiest thing to do right? Yeah I
2: I did I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It definitely crossed my mind uh, more than several times.
1: Even now, sometimes I think, oh yeah, maybe I should start there. Maybe easier than some things. Most people would just say, okay, you know, what? I look at the look at the look at the the pay or something I can get as a lawyer, and yeah, I think I'm gonna do that instead.
2: We choose what we choose, and we kind of, yeah, have to go that way. I think it was really the fact that sometimes you, if you've gone too far already, then you might sort of well just continue discovering la i think that's the whole thing (laughs) it it, 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 it wasn't i couldn't see myself behind a desk anymore yeah Uh, as in not to say i'm not behind the desk now but in terms of the kind of work that we do uh there's a lot more creativity involved and stuff like that and yeah i just felt that that is a lot closer to what is me than than law would ever be la so, I, I, I did look into other things. Uh, I'm just not a litigator. I just find that it's too, too you know, too, too much uh, verbal sparring. My brother-in-law is a litigator, but I'm not. So, so it's either that corporate, at that, at that point in time, the options were not a lot, huh? So it's either that corporate, you know, apart from corporate law, which you have to spend quite a lot of time behind the desk, uh, you would be litigation. Litigation, uh, I'm just not that kind of person where you'd be involved in a lot of verbal sparring. The other option, obvious option at that point in time was conveyancing, uh, which were dealing with property transactions and stuff. But it just wasn't me uh. So it's really, these were the three options that I was aware of. Obviously, now, you know, there are, there are a lot more other things like technology law and stuff like that, that you can be involved in if you like. Uh, but it, yeah, it wasn't just, just me. And also, don't forget, you know, coming from a, a, a legal mind, right? Um, you tend to look at things and what are the things that can go wrong because that is your that is your job.
1: Looking for platforms to feature your business or your project? Just reach out to us at contact at work.asia or drop us a DM to find out how and why doing so on the Uncle podcast is such a good idea.
0: Speaking about that right, the, those major decisions that shaped your life, there was another major, um, I won't say it's a decision, like, I hope it's not a decision, but a major turning point. My health
2: Started deteriorating, I started getting a lot of gut and, 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 and sinus issues um, for many, many years. And, and I went a very conventional path, obviously, to to in and out of specialists, doctors to kind of find what the hell is wrong with me, right? And up to a point, many, many years, and you you, you struggle with things like chronic fatigue, uh, sinusitis, constant infections and stuff. And, and couldn't pinpoint, you know, I spent a lot of money, a lot of time uh until i said look uh this can't go on and i then veered out of the conventional path and started looking at uh non-conventional options uh, which kind of opened my eyes to things like alternative healing and stuff like that as well and uh not too long ago in about 2016 um you know i really at the bottom of uh i'm running out of options already I, i actually um, saw a, a, a video of this health coach and he was sharing that he suffered from mercury poisoning from his fillings. And a lot of his symptoms were very similar to mine. And I said, shoot, uh, let me approach this guy. And I, you know, long story short, I, I I approached him and stuff. And he said, look, Danny, why don't you do this test? Because currently uh, mercury poisoning is not really recognized uh, but you do this test to see what your mercury levels are. And when I did that, did that test, this is the reference range of a normal person, right? Everybody has a bit of mercury. Okay, we are all exposed to mercury. But uh, because mercury is a heavy metal, it stays in your body. Reference range, somewhere in the middle usually. I maxed it up. And he looked at me and said, Wow, Danny, are you lucky even to be alive? I, I mean, I put it through to fillings because I had a lot of it when I grew up. I had it since I was a child. Um, a lot of the tooth fillings that you put in, especially the silver, what they call silver amalgams, are mercury fillings. Okay? So without going into whole medical the how mercury fillings is still being used right now by uh-huh. certain countries, <laughs> right? But you know a lot of countries like Germany, in the Netherlands, mercury fillings is already banned, but other places are not. Uh, including America is not uh, a lot of it is political uh, because if they don't, if they stop mercury fillings and stuff like that, they might get sued because then you're saying that mercury is poisonous mm. then you're going to question, why the hell is it doing in our mouths how come the medical but, yeah. community has been allowing it to put it in your mouth so if I can reach out to all your, your listeners out there, right please make sure that you don't put any other mercury fillings into your your kid's mouth or yourselves because it's just pure poison. And I can tell you this I've got friends, uh, I shan't name who they are, but they're dentist friends in Singapore, okay? Some of them are pretty high profile dentists and they know me because I've had these issues and I've spoken to them about it. They said, Danny, I won't tell you anything, but I can tell you this when it comes into the dentist's office, the mercury amalgams, right, comes in a biohazardous container. I put it in your mouth. If I remove it and discard it, I have to discard it as biohazardous waste. So what is it doing in your mouth? We are made to believe that in your mouth, it's stable. It's not. So there are already documentaries out there which are trying to expose this whole big thing about how mercury, uh, uh, mercury poisoning is a big thing because of all our amalgams. In fact, the character in Lewis Carroll's Matt Hatter, right? Is based on mercury poisoning because Matt Hatter's disease. It, it's called Matt Hatter's disease because um, in the 1700s or 1800s, right, a lot of these guys who were, who were making felt hats, they used mercury to make felt hats. They went crazy because it went into their uh, nervous system and their brain and gets deposited there. So that's why it's called Matt Hatter's disease. And that's what the character was written about. Yeah. So that's a sidetrack from there.
1: So but brush your teeth, everyone. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. Actually, brushing but, but, might not help because it actually releases uh, mercury vapor in, into your system.
1: But, 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 how, but how did such a dramatic uh, health, health scare, uh, if, they, if that's the right word, or how, how did that experience kind of like shape your perspective after that towards you know, life and finances and just the, just the way you live? I think, honestly,
2: uh, you go through a few things. Firstly, is when you find out. Actually, when you go, when you have a chronic problem like that and it goes on, right? At some point, you wish there was a label that was put into it. You know, I, at some point, I can tell you, I wish, I wish somebody would tell me that, oh, you got this cancer, so that I have something that I can work on. But no, I didn't have that for the longest time. But when finally I had a diagnosis that I had high mercury, and I decided, okay, this could be because of my mercury fillings thing, right? My next question in my head was that kept coming back to me was really why does this have to happen to me what did i do wrong right how come my life is like that right and so it actually put me i mean the positive part of it is it actually put me on a path of personal development i actually during that few years right i threw myself into the rooms where 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 there's tony robbins i mean if you guys heard of tony robbins you know big guy life coach Um, i I attended tons of courses to rewire my questions and it became to a stage where i started asking myself okay now that i've had that experience what are the changes that i want in my life And that leads to the same question, why my kids are in a Steiner school? Because I want them to be aware of a lot of other things apart from the conventional things, right? Uh, And if anything, if my experience can help other people, uh, even getting the word out there and talking to people about mercury poisoning, how they should stay away, then that makes my experience... uh, worthwhile and meaningful in a
1: way. So that also of course changed your your outlook towards the way you approach your finances and other investments, especially now uh, you know when you say on LinkedIn you're like a media entrepreneur and investor and so on uh, how, how did that change your perspective towards finances and, and 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 you know and the like
2: so I'm playing a bit of a catch-up because uh, you know obviously through my health struggles and stuff like that um, my concentration wasn't in building finances a lot of it was I spent a lot of years trying to survive and just trying to manage uh, some of my chronic uh, issues with that uh, now I actually am, I know you're going to bring up a lot of that questions later on, right? I actually invest quite heavily into blockchain and cryptocurrencies uh, because of two things. I actually believe that that is part of the future that we want. Um, I believe in the future of decentralization. Um, I also believe that, um, you know, there are a lot simpler, more transparent ways that I want to be able to support. Um, Yeah,
1: so uh, quite a lot of my investments are in that space. You mentioned crypto, you mentioned blockchain, all these future tools. Then of course, there's other things that are coming in like NFTs and so on. How do you see this, all these future tools actually shaping the media industry and, and the creative industries?
2: Oh, I think it's big disruption. I really think, uh, number one, whether it's the freelancer or the creator, right, no longer have to be beholden to a bigger organization, actually, in a way. I mean, if you talk about NFTs and stuff like that, there's more power that goes back to the creator. The creator gets to uh, have a residual income when an NFT is sold and sold and sold again. And in a way, Uh, launching an NFT is not as complicated as you having to go through the various loops of going to a a production company or going to a big organization to get that done. Uh, That will slowly apply to other things like the music industry that will slowly apply even to film as well. You you might find that the, the way people crowdfund future projects is very different we'll go online I will contribute fifty dollars to buy an nft which contributes to a film that is maybe an idea that Sean put up and I believed and I will buy it right and and that's all done in a transparent process uh, and the profits are then distributed as well so I, I i really see that as the future what about for blockchain do you see that
1: coming in ever into our video production line yeah so uh
2: the decentralized part of blockchain is the key thing that i feel is the biggest game changer the fact that we can uh get a bunch of anonymous people whether it's your dog or not dogs doesn't matter like, actually you could be anonymous as well right you can get everybody together and everything is decided through a ledger right and it's obvious we know what these things are and projects can lift off the ground and we're actually seeing quite a bit of that in the nft space as well people are are using it as a crowdfunding platform right and people can launch millions just from an idea that 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 takes fire yeah, of course. Having said that, there are a lot of scams out there as well.
0: Yeah, I think um, there are different ways to do it, and um, and like what what you say, I think right now there's this thing that's like tearing me into two, right? Where I see there are a lot of scams. I hear more news about scams than anything else than that actual successes. I can't grasp my head, my head around that concept
1: because as we previously discussed, also well, you know production is very labor intensive, and and now you're saying okay, we can decentralize everything, and and you know and make it and use blockchain. I'm like, but it's labor-intensive. We, we can't hide, hide from, from the fact that production is labor-intensive, right? Oh,
2: but it's two different things. When I'm talking about blockchain, I'm talking about how a certain project is constituted, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that we do less work. No, it's the same amount of work that goes in. But how it takes off is you, don't, you may not need a centralized figure. Can you imagine if we've got uh, 100 freelancers, right? And the 100 freelancers are getting involved in a drama project which they believe in, right? And they might not take uh, a salary in a sense. You can cover them maybe with with enough of a stipend uh, to cover their expenditure, right? But they will personally invest their time in it as well. And of course, uh, a portion of that means that they lock in a certain percentage of profits, when that profits come, and that can be done through the blockchain because of the the distributed ledger
1: technology as well. Mm, uh, yeah. Okay, I uh, got you there. Okay.
0: So with that, right, what kind of advice would you give to creators in uh, specifically, right, about blockchain or you know moving into crypto or just finances in general?
2: I think firstly is to really get familiar with it. What it is, it is very very new and we're very very still early stage and because of that don't dismiss it because there's going to be big failures there's going to be you know scammers out there and stuff like that but get familiar with it get your feet wet i i I really encourage people to to do that because the possibility is there it's just not crystallized yet and it will take a few years to crystallize by the time you jump in when it's crystallized already uh, it might be a bit late. Lah. So <laughs> I really feel people should uh, go out there, experiment, test, get their feet wet, see what works. Because then by the time it crystallizes, you're ready.
0: And there's also that FOMO It's happening. It's like, what's happening? Like, uh, how do I get involved?
1: But I totally get Danny when he said, you know, don't don't dismiss it. I think it was something like 2014, 2015 or something like that. You know, it's, like a, it's like a whole five, six years ago or maybe longer. So I had this client who said, okay, uh, could they owe you money. I mean, that's very typical. The, you know, clients pay you late and, and so on. And then this client actually came and said, oh, you know, uh, I can't pay you cash, but I can pay you in Bitcoin. Do you accept Bitcoin? And then I'm like, uh, and I'm thinking to me, I'm like, no, how can I accept Bitcoin, right? I'm not going to, my editor and my, cam, and my camera crew and all that, not going to accept Bitcoin. So how? So I said, uh, no, I can't imagine if i said <laughs> yes then if i said yes then you're like give me the equivalent of bitcoin of that sum and i held on to it like now nah, what it is today never mind that it's dipped like crazy in the last two months i'll be sitting on a like, big upside from, when, from back then you know but at that point in time i'm thinking like but my crew is not going to accept paying me being paid in bitcoin so i'm like yeah. no nah, well that that ended well <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I I, I, but I get what you mean. We shouldn't dismiss it. All these future tools, uh, Web 3.0 and so on. How did, are you then going to position yourself and how are you going to position Intuitive then? What kind of ventures are going to excite you then as a media uh, investor? Uh, Danny, Good question. I mean, currently, I'm still involved mainly as a passive investor,
2: right? So I I obviously buy cryptocurrencies. uh, I'm involved in some NFT projects. I actually have a small investment in a hedge fund on blockchain as well. Uh, These are all my experiments. I think for intuitive, we're kind of still figuring out. But my ideal thing is really media will play a very big part in the Web 3.0 media will still play a very big part in the metaverse as well because you might have avatars going to watch commercials for example. I mean my my ideal version is that we have AIs and avatars that, that go and do work for ourselves while we are resting at home and then they're earning income, they are getting taxed <laughs> but they again might also be involved with some sort of media production but within the metaverse or within a web point 3.0 kind of context. Um, yeah. So I, I don't have a definitive answer there because I'm still trying to explore and, and, and seeing certain things take shape um, because it's still very, very early in the game. Yeah.
0: Mm. So just keep your eyes open right now and your ears sharp. And
1: I think it's also it's, it's because you own Intuitive films But you're not exactly creative I mean and, and Not to say that you're uncreative But because you came With all this experience From from law And from logistics And so on I, I, I think your mind Just works differently I think it's actually Very important as well In a sense I mean the, you definitely Have the business mind
2: Yes and no the pros and cons Whether you're a generalist Or a specialist You know uh, and increasingly, whether you have a broad base uh, subject matter, for me, I, I, because of my experience, I, I do have a broad base. But then again, you, you, you do get the, you probably hear the off, the repeated idiom that you're jack of all trades, master of none as well. <laughs> so sometimes I wish, hey, I'm just this focused. I can just do this and I do this super well.
1: (laughs) So yeah. That's why you delegate (laughs) and and that's why you can and that's why you can manage from Auckland. Someone else else is creative
2: for you. Doesn't always come true. Sometimes I have to, I still have to jump in and say, hey guys, we need to do this and I'm going to have to do this myself.
0: (laughs) That's why you have to put in all your experiences and all your different experiences. Skill sets to kind of solve the problem. Yeah,
2: I, I'm still <laughs> learning. I'm still in a work in progress. I think that's the key thing.
1: So you definitely have a lot of experience for sure. Uh, what will you then share then? Uh, as a obviously a veteran of the media industry and having been through so much, uh, what will you share then to the younger generation and to the freelancers uh, who are tuning in, especially about this, their psychology towards uh towards money and towards their careers in the industry.
2: Oh, I actually think a lot of youngsters who are coming into the industry a lot more savvy than I used to be at their age, honestly. And then they're, they're coming in with a lot more awareness as well. Awareness in terms of options um, and a lot more consciousness that whatever path that they went through in school right, might not be the thing. Whereas I came in having to fight that or having to unravel a lot of that. And... Yeah, I, I I actually think youngsters come in. You know, already and they come into the world already quite media savvy. You know, they know how to shoot videos already. They can they can do uh podcasts. They they, they can do their own vlogs and stuff like that. So they they are very very savvy. I was actually stunned. You know, like uh when my daughters uh, they they will never want me to show that video lah. But at about nine years of age, right, she she made a vlog. You know, and and when I saw it, I said oh, bloody hell this is so professional from a (laughs) nine-year-old because she just watch and then she just do it exactly she'll go like hi guys you know and click subscribe down here and stuff like that she just all right i'll say oh this is the world that they come into and they're they're already plugged and wired for it um and which we uh, being oldies uh, I, i mean oldies meaning older than them have a lot to catch up have a lot to catch up yeah, so I, I'm not sure whether I can offer any good advice to them. Uh, <laughs>
1: it
0: might but, be but, the other way around no, instead. But,
1: but, <laughs> but in, the, in the same token, they can't do what you do. I'm not dissing the younger generation, but I if you ask them to, okay, let's go do a, do a drama, 100 people drama. That I don't think they can perform as well. Yeah, but then, but then they, might, they might do things differently as well. Yeah, and oh, I, that, yeah, yeah. Then, they, then they don't need 100 people, they just need 10. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I I think if anything, I, I would say as long as we keep our identity and realize that we are works in progress all the time, meaning that we will constantly keep improving, keep finding ways, keep discovering, keep being curious, if there's any good advice I would provide anybody, it would be that that we're not fixed. Because the moment you say, ah, I know this, uh, that's when you stop growing.
0: So Danny, on that note, we do have one last question for you, which we ask all our guests. So if What's my you... favourite colour? No, <laughs> 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 If only were that easy, okay? But this is a tougher one. So when were you, Danny Leung, the most uncool in your eyes? And what would you say to yourself back then?
2: Wow. I think I was most uncool when I... Basically, I uh, was a lawyer, actually. <laughs> I was probably the most uncool then, right? Because I was I was stuck on a desk-bound job. What would I have said myself then? Uh, I, I, I wish I had more guts to try a lot more things earlier. Even during school time. Right, so that by the time I come out to the working life, because the longer you wait, the more responsibilities you have. If you have kids and stuff like that, because once you have kids, ah, huh, not got time to experiment? Just do your job, man.
0: <laughs> make sure the, just earn the make, money, yeah. Just make feed sure, the kids. Make sure
2: that there's the, the, the bread on the table, right. Yeah, so experiment as early on as possible because that's where you discover yourself, what you like, what you don't like, what you're good at. Um, yeah, I would really encourage that.
1: On the note of being on that note, I oh, got so this cute. guy who's come, who's come running in here. You talked about kids. <laughs> we have What's a new guest today. What's his name? Sorry, Danny. This is Michael. On that note, right, you've run into it for 15 years. And, and at which point in that 15 years you think intuitive was uh uncool and was there a moment where you thought you know with that journey that yes i think we, we really we are fine now we are, we are cool now we, we've really made it we can survive
2: i don't think we're there yet i'm always reminded that we're uncool in some point <laughs> and that we we got so much more room to improve i really can't find a point that and i i suppose that kind of discomfort is helpful because that means i will continue to keep improving and you know as as a company we will continue to keep growing was there a point where i looked back and saw and i thought intuitive was really uncool um yeah when we were at, at one point which was stable but really tough uh in the sense that it was boring we did like uh this construction animation you know like how how um certain uh what do you call uh waterproofing is put into the the, the construction side and stuff like oh that was the most uncool job but it paid the bills yeah <laughs> <laughs> does that make so sense
0: that does make sense I do like that though I think I'm a bit of a geek in that sense but <laughs> well then it's only up from here so Danny if uh people want to find more about intuitive films uh and find out more about you where can our listeners do that
2: you can go to www.intuitivefilms.com um and yeah our, our, our website and socials are there um yeah personally I, I guess they can connect with me through linkedin
0: and if you want to hear from other guests coming up in our new episodes or catch up on our old episodes drop us a like and remember to click follow on our podcast also tell your friends about us give us a five star rating because that really does help and no worries because it's cool to be uncool uncool was recorded on audio Technica mics